before we settle in, uh, let's uh, raise your hand if you've been engaged in the last 24 hours. Let me see it. Nice. Let's, uh, let's all stand real quick, and uh, if you can get to them, get to them. Let's lay some hands on Maddie and David, and let's, uh, let's pray over them real quick. Heavenly Father, as you use the church to further your kingdom, and that the bride of Christ is that church, Help, the, help Maddie and David to not only walk closer to each other with you, walk closer to you as well, and walk closer to the brothers and sisters that are around them wherever they go. Build them up, give them strength, give them wisdom, give them humility, and most of all, give them the longevity that it takes and the peace that surpasses understanding to grow your kingdom through their marriage. It's in, our, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jake's here. Did, did you know he was going to be here? Yeah, I don't want to preach in front of the preacher. I thought maybe that. I, I thought that maybe that meant we were off the hook. No, that's a horrible idea. Okay, okay. Let's go. Oh, I need my notes. No. The paper. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Timothy, um, and the fact that he wasn't an assistant. <laughs> so. A couple months ago, Jake tagged Doug Boyd and I to preach this morning, and I was thinking, sweet, a couple months to get ready, that's kind of nice. Month goes by, Doug and I text every once in a while. He says, Doug says, what do you want to preach on? And I said, because I had no idea, sin, and we're against it. And so we exchanged some texts back and forth, and Doug starts talking about Second uh, Timothy. If you'll get there, we're going to be there all day. Second Timothy, chapter one, verses six and seven. Let's read it real quick. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay, yes. I like it, Doug. I can pick that apart. Um, that's a great verse. We can talk about the Holy Spirit. We can talk about not being timid. We can talk about power and love and self-discipline. I like it. Now, before you roll your eyes and shift in your chair and talk to yourself or your spouse and say, 
great. Brad's going to bring a lesson on not being timid. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> now stay with me, because I need to give you some background on how we got here this morning. Because it's, a, it's an interesting story, and there's a point to it, and, and I'll get to that at the very end. So you're going to have to kind of, you know, hang with me here. So I start studying this verse. I dive in, and I'm not getting anything. I don't have any aha moments. I don't have any kind of an enlightenment. There's no fun twists in the Greek language here that I can really tell. Nothing's coming in. I even go to commentaries, which if you know me very well, I really don't like to go to commentaries, so I go there. <laughs> Nothing. I'm getting a little panicky, not a big deal. I read a book. It's a decent book. Not great. A lot of fluff. Really should have been just an article. <laughs> but why nothing yet? I even, I even ordered a new pocket Bible because... Well, Shane Sawyer, wherever he, wherever he is, there he is. Thank you, sir. I needed that. I didn't want to speak this morning and not be excited about what I was going to talk about, but I still didn't have anything. So Doug and I get together Monday, uh, this past, past Monday, and still, I only have this one first. I use the dry erase board, and I, and I scribble some stuff on it, but I'm really just kind of still spitballing. And I, I usually write my outline first. I had to write today's talk word for word just to get organized in my head. Very good friend of mine at a gas station. We start talking and how's everything? How are you? How's the wife? How's the kids? All the things. And he looks me dead in the eye and he says, I need a Paul in my life. And I said, woof. Okay, yeah. Now he wasn't asking me, but he's just saying, he's verbalizing, I need a mentor. I need somebody that's going to help. I need some, somebody to disciple me. And then it dawns on me. Here comes the enlightenment. Here comes that, that dawning of the, of the idea of this morning's lesson. Paul is discipling Timothy in this verse. So I have this guy that I hardly ever see and probably should have called before now. And he's, he's you know, he's working. He's okay. But he's struggling a little bit. Not a big deal. So maybe everybody needs a mentor or a teacher or a rabbi. The kingdom, you know, seek ye first the kingdom. Well, what's the kingdom? I'm glad you asked. Now, we're going to take a minute. Everybody look around. It's okay. You can look back in church right now. We're going to look around and... It's losing? Okay, I'm ready. How about that? All right. So take a look around. Look at everybody around you. Now, 
This is the kingdom. Now, you're going to look around and you're going to see some people that may not be here. They might have heard I was preaching. I'll own that. That's fine. There's going to be people that are on vacation. That's not, um, that's not what I'm talking about here. What am I talking about? The discipleship that Paul and Timothy have and we need grows the kingdom. So if you look around the room and you see people that, well, actually, there's people missing. Who are they? The people that aren't here yet. Well, why aren't they here yet? Because we haven't, we haven't got them. Now, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not, I'm not talking about, it's a metaphorical decision to be with the saints, to be with the kingdom. So this is what we need to be doing. So who's missing? Find out who's missing, and let's talk about this. Now, why did I have to run into my friend at the gas station? Why hadn't I called him or texted him or gone by the house? I don't know. But I'll call it a failure on my part. I'm okay with that too. Now, it's dismissive to look at this verse, to look at this letter from Paul to Timothy. It's dismissive to look at this and think of it as a letter from an apostle to a young Christian. That's not what 2 Timothy is at all. So where is Timothy? Timothy's in his mid-40s. He's my age. He's been working with Paul for 15-something years. They've traveled all over the known world preaching the gospel and saving people and putting in elderships and putting in churches and building things. He's a fellow collaborator in the gospel with one of the most prolific apostles that they had. He knew John. He knew Mark. He knew Luke. He knew all the other apostles. He's the one that was probably in charge of getting the parchments and the papers that belonged to Paul back over to Luke so he could write. And he was instrumental in Ephesus as well. Oh, I lost it. There it is. Okay, so let's talk about Ephesus for just a second. I want us to pause here because there are people in their commentaries that talk about the fact that Timothy was a bishop, a pastor, a, an elder, a, a, a shepherd. So he has to go help, or he has to go fix uh, the church at Ephesus, and he has to install elders, and he has to install deacons, and he's got to get, he's got to get some things rolling. How interesting is it that Timothy is so prolific that Paul delegates this to him? Here's something else that I didn't realize until this past week. Timothy wrote six books with Paul. He was the co-author of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. That's over 20% of the New Testament. Timothy. So this is not a letter to a young Christian. This is a final letter from a 60-ish year old apostle to his favorite person, his disciple, and it's chocked full of love and wisdom and warnings and advice and sympathy and affection. This is a beautiful letter. And if I, in fact, one day want to be a disciple or disciple someone, I can look at Second Timothy and I can see what it's supposed to look like. Now, we're going to do a real quick run through here. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to kind of bear with me. We're going to be in 2 Timothy. So let's go to 
I should have done this phase thing so people weren't ahead of me. But anyway. All right, so let's go to the first chapter, verses 13 and 14. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good. Deposit that which that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now go to the second chapter, verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Number uh, Verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you the insights into all of this. 15. Do your best to present yourself as one approved, a worker that does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Second chapter, verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, or faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you, because you know those from whom you learned it and how they from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And finally, fourth chapter, verse 22, towards the end. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Okay, so now let's jump back into that verse. Ready? For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame of, of, the, of God that which was in you by the laying on of hands for the spirit God gave you that does not make us timid, but gives us power love, and self-discipline. You want the good news? I'm skipping timid. We're going to go straight to the power. So, timid is not something that I understand. Um, I'm self-aware enough to know it's not something that I didn't deal with. I probably don't have the proper amount of empathy or sympathy, whichever one applies here, for people that are timid. And so, it's not appropriate or right for me to probably talk about it. Let's go to power. The Greek word here is dunamis, right? So dunamis, this was my favorite word of the whole, of the whole uh, scripture today because in, in Strong's and a couple of the other uh, dictionaries, it's defined as an inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. So it's potential power. So in physics... There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a thing called potential energy. So what's potential energy? Okay, so I'm at the playground, and I'm going to go swinging, and I'm swinging. I'm going back and forth, and there's that time when I'm at the apex of my swing, and for a split second, I'm weightless. At that moment, I have this potential energy. And because of gravity, here comes the energy, and then I come on through to the other side. I want that potential energy. So if I'm going to go and shoot my arrow, or shoot my bow, an arrow, as I grab my bow and I draw the string and I pull back that arrow, at that moment, before I release, potential energy. I'm driving in a vehicle and I go up a big steep hill, or I'm out here south of town seven miles. I'm at the top of the Y by the feed yard, right? And there's the hill. 
at the top of that hill, right before I start to head downhill, that's potential energy. So then he says, power, love. Now this is obviously agape. Affection or benevolence. Uh, some, some, sometimes it can be used in the, uh, in the, in the reference for what they call a, uh, a love feast. This is unconditional love. This is love no matter what. This is love without strings attached. So I have to fan the flame of the spirit that's within me in order to love. So why do I have to love unconditionally? Why am I called that way? Well, maybe, maybe this life is a training ground for what's, for what's uh, to come. Or maybe further on in life, I'm going to have to figure out a time when I have to love unconditionally. That does happen. Maybe I need to work on it now. This is potential love. Next is self-discipline. The Greek word here, which I don't know how to pronounce, yes, you got it, nailed it. There's three things that are hard to say. I love you, I'm wrong. This one, sophron, I don't know. <laughs> so let's not dismiss this one here because we're not talking about self, uh, we're not talking about self-discipline as in, I gotta get up, I gotta do my things, I gotta get my checklist, I gotta go, no, 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 no. This can also be translated to sound mind or sound judgment. This is something that this is like a sober-mindedness. This is an actualization of what's happening. This is a, this is a, I have, and you've probably heard this term before in legal documentation, when I being Brad, being sound mind and all the stuff, and here's my will and testament. Okay, so what does that mean? That means I have all my faculties about me. That means I understand right from wrong. That means I understand what's happening here. So we're going to call this one potential wisdom. So I've got... Here are the three, potential power, potential love, and potential wisdom. Paul is begging Timothy. Now, frame of reference, 60-year-old apostle Paul, writing Timothy, 45-ish, maybe he's my age. Maybe he's as good-looking as I am, I don't know. But he's, he's writing Paul, and he's begging Paul to fan that little burning ember inside to, 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 and create a flame in order to use the potential power, the potential love, and the potential wisdom of the Spirit. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, if you don't mind. This is some affection. We're going to read verses 22 and 23. You know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So what can I learn from Paul and Timothy? If I read 2 Timothy, I learned that I need to be fiercely loyal 
Loyal to what? Loyal to the truth. Loyal to the Christ, to the Messiah. Loyal to the word of God. I also learned that I need to be dedicated. When Paul came around on his second missionary journey and he goes back through Lystra again and he, and he stops in to see how everybody's doing and he gets to meet Paul or he gets to meet Timothy, he takes Timothy with him. But before he does that, Timothy, who's half Jewish and half Greek, who wasn't circumcised, as a, Paul has him circumcised um, as, an, as an adult. That's dedication for you. What am I willing to cut out of my life that I need to cut out before I can go on and do a mission? Whatever mission that is. I'm not saying we have to travel somewhere and it has to, has to be something spectacular. But what needs to change? That's dedication. Timothy's extremely coachable. He takes instructions well. And with the intended spirit. He's trainable. He changed, he's able to change the way, he, <clears throat> the way he lives, the way he acts, the way he talks. He gets dispatched during the second missionary journey very quickly off to go do something else. He already knew the Torah. His mother and his grandmother made sure of that. So he was prepped and he was ready and he was willing and he went. Now here's the fun part. This is the part that was, that's difficult for me. How else can I be like Paul and Timothy? Well, maybe I need to be a disciple. Maybe I need to walk towards Christ. Doug discipled me yesterday morning when we had breakfast. He said, your outline is in the text messages that you sent us, that you sent me. God allowed me to be discipled just to get this lesson out this morning. It was a part of every step of the way. I didn't get to do a normal routine. I didn't get to fall on what I thought I knew beforehand. I had to come in here fresh and new and completely different. And it's not at all comfortable. What else did I, do we need to learn from Paul and Timothy? Use our potential power. We need to learn how to use our potential power. We need to learn how to show the potential of God's love. A church for Canadian, a church for family, a church for Jesus, a, a, a church for transformation. And what else do I need to do? I need to be able to access my potential wisdom. This morning, my friend from the gas station sent me a verse. Zechariah 4, verse 6. Not by force or by strength, but by the Spirit, says the Lord of heaven. That wasn't in the lesson. I had to write it in later. This thing was writing all the way up until this morning, until just now. I wouldn't suggest doing it that way, but that's the way it worked out. Only by the power. So now let's talk about application. You're up. It's going to be kind of hard to follow that, honestly. And Shane last week. Wow. So as I'm bringing up my notes here, this was something that I wasn't really going to do and ended up doing it yesterday. 
when the house got really quiet. Um, it just happened. But first, I want to share a couple of things with you. Uh, first, uh, my cousin and I planning a golf trip this next weekend. And so I asked him, I said, hey, cuz, what do you think? You think, think playing golf on Sunday is a sin? He responded quickly and said, cuz, the way you play golf, it's a sin every day. <laughs> Ooh. So there's two little boys. Man, they are troublemakers. And if you thought of yourself right when I said that, you're in the same crowd as me. Anyway, two little boys, eight and ten years old. And I mean, their mom and dad, whoo, they've had enough. They're at their wits end with these two boys. They're sitting down one day and they're trying to discuss and, and, and figure out what's best for these boys. And the husband says, well, I, I know a pastor that's, that's pretty good with this kind of thing. So they decided to send this eight and 10 year old troublemakers to this pastor. Well, they sent in the eight year old first. Eight year old sat down and the pastor looks at him right in the eye and he says, where is God? The little boy kind of fidgets in his seat for a minute, but he, he doesn't answer. So the pastor is getting a little bit frustrated. He looks him in the eye, gets down on his level, and he said, where is God? Well, now the little boy's shaking. He didn't know what to do. Finally, the pastor has had enough. He points at him and he says, where is God? And the little boy gets scared and he just runs out of the room. Runs home, locks himself in his bedroom. Well, the 10-year-old brother was waiting out in the waiting room and he sees his brother run out. So he runs after his little brother. He gets to the room, knocks on the door. The little brother actually lets him in. And he said, what's up? What happened in there? He goes, I'm not sure. I think we've done something really bad. Older brother says, what? Little brother says, I think we lost God. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm going to go with the application today. And I think as you, as you hear this, you will see potential love and wisdom in the middle of this. I'm gonna share with you a story today. Um, and I know, and maybe you can attest to this, but do you ever feel like God is missing? So the story I'm gonna to share today is about a man that felt that way. And I don't know where mine's at. Which way? Flip the remote. I'm going backwards. Hey, hey, here's the cool thing. It kind of fits in your hand better that way, too. I'm like, wow, this is not very fun to hold. Hey, I'm going. Yes. 
Yes, and I'm going to turn around and read this. I really thought I made that bigger, but, but I didn't. But I'm going to start uh, with Hebrews, if you want to turn in your Bibles, because I love that sound and it helps me um, relieve some fear and anxiety. I'm going to read this word, and then I'm going to pray a real quick prayer, and, and then we'll get started. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You'll bow with me. Father God, I just ask that you would help me to speak Jesus into the hearts, into the souls, into the minds of everyone here today. Father God, I, I ask you to help me speak Jesus into the fear to the anxiety, to the depression, to the anger. Father, I just want to speak Jesus today. Hide me in your shadows. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to tell you a story today about a man. A man that was much like Timothy. One that needed constant coaching. Which I feel like that's what Paul was doing for Timothy. When you read those words and those verses one after another, that's just what I saw. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this man. I think it was probably right around... Two years ago, two and a half years ago, this man was in a spot where he thought he was next. He thought he was next. He knew he was next. And the time came for that decision to be made, and he wasn't. He wasn't next. It wasn't his time. And keep in mind, this happened about two and a half years ago, and you're going to see potential love, power, discipline in the middle of all of this. Because of that moment, have you guys ever heard of, of focusing so much on the problem that you forget to dig deep to the root of the problem? This man didn't realize it at the time, had become extremely impatient. He had become extremely short, and he really didn't know why. He was focusing on the problem, not the root of the problem. He was impatient. 
and quick-tempered with those that he loved the most. And as time passed and life came at him, he kept thinking and saying to himself, I can fix this. I got it. I don't need anybody's help. I can fix this. And as time progressed, his life became very stagnant. I like to refer to his life as a cesspool. And maybe some of you haven't been there, but his life was kind of a cesspool. The water was just kind of setting there and and the escape route had been, you know, to the stream had been covered up with walls of sin and problems and, and things that he thought he deserved that he didn't get. So stagnant, in fact, that as time progressed, prayer was hard for him. And I mean hard for him. Even sharing scripture with people got to a point here recently where he could not even do it because he felt like a hypocrite. He was hurting. He was in a very, very bad place. God seemed far away. He needed some coaching. And he needed it bad. And he thought God was nowhere to be found. But you see, God hadn't moved. He had. He's the one that had moved. And life was so busy early in the morning till late at night that he lost his vision. He quit making time for God in the Bible. His vision was impaired. And it came out as impatience, anger, frustration. Those walls were getting bigger and the water was becoming more stagnant. Then recently, keep in mind this happened two and a half years ago. Recently, God used something painful to call him back. For those of you that don't think God works in every single situation, this man will tell you different. He will tell you different. That man stands before you today. That man was me. And I'll be honest with you, this is the part that I was most concerned about. Because in the shower it came out great. <laughs> Barry says, right. 
I don't know how this is going to come out. I, like Brad, I need outlines. I need things written out that I can follow. I don't really have that today. That event that called him out of that stagnation and that time and made him see the root of why he was like he was, why I was like I was. It was a very painful event, one that I have never been through in my life before. You see, my... And some of you are in the same boat that I'm in right now. My wife's mom passed away recently. And I was, at this time I would say, fortunate enough, at the time I wouldn't have, but at this time I, I was, would say that I was fortunate enough to be in the room when this wonderful saint took her last breath. It was very peaceful. And in that moment, in that moment, and my wife doesn't even know this, Her sister said the most powerful prayer I've ever heard in my life. Right in that moment. Obviously, it was through the sobs and the, and the hurt. And it was her crying out. It was her lamenting. And me, my wife, her sister and her husband and the pastor of that church... We're all in the room when this happened. And as Melody, that's Jill's sister, prayed, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen happened. I'm just telling you, I wish I could reenact that prayer. Out of the corner of my eye, I see the pastor at the foot of Mother Jean's bed. And I have to act this out a little bit. So I'm going to put this back on here. As Melody was praying, the pastor was at the foot of her bed with his hands held high. Tears running down his face, tears of joy, tears of pain. He had only known Mother Jean about three years. And when it was over, when the prayer was over, when I, first of all, when I saw him like that, it was almost like God was using him to say, Doug, I'm here. I want you back. I need you. In one of the most painful moments I've ever had in my life, God says, I need you. Come. Yes, Jill, I did that one for you. And she doesn't know this, but it changed my direction. 
when she was finished with that prayer, the pastor said, this is tough. You see, she was 85 years old. She had spent every single year of her life in the same church. She was a saint. And that pastor said, God took one of his best ones today. Can you imagine the celebration? Can you imagine the celebration? One of the songs today pointed to that time. One of the songs today pointed to that time. From somebody who knows recently. Don't let the world, don't let sin, don't let others block him out. Don't let it happen. And if there's anybody in this room that is there today, you got brothers and sisters around you that you can go call on. And if it wasn't for a bunch of brothers and sisters in this room, I wouldn't be standing here today because I just about texted Brad three weeks ago and said, this one's yours. That's how bad it was. I'm going to end today with a couple of things that just one, one event, and Maddie can attest to this, even Jazzy can, and some of the girls that I've coached, I'm pretty animated, too animated. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. This summer, I don't know how many games I watched Maddie and Jazzy play. I helped coach Maddie's summer team in, in the summer, and it was the last summer of that. That hurts a little bit. Can't believe it. I never got off of the bench this summer. Shannon goes, Exactly. I never got off the bench. All I did was clap, encourage, and if I did stand up, it was to help kids get where they needed to be. I was the first one to give fives when they came off the floor and the first ones to tell them get after it when they went in. So I asked Maddie. I said, do you see a difference in me? She said, yes. That's powerful. You see, even in the midst of my stagnation, God was right there with me. Because that ain't working if he's not. I didn't plan that. It just happened. So that's your chance to hold me accountable for this season coming up. <laughs> So I'm going to tie this together a little bit. I want you to notice the underlying part. This is 2 Timothy 1.13, which was one of his. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Does that say in the faith and love that are in me? It says the faith... And love that are in Christ Jesus. 
Look at the underlying words there. I'm just going to have you look at it and read it. This wasn't by my faith, people. This was by God's faith. He called me out with his faith, not mine. Don't think that you can do it all. Brothers and sisters, you can't. You've got to have people with you. And you've got to acknowledge that God is with you. He'll pull you out. Even when you think there's no way out. And streams of living water will flow from you. That's discipleship. And if it wasn't for this church, I don't know if I'd be here today. I'm just going to be honest with you. The conflict with sin is normal. Let me say that again. The conflict with sin is normal. The battles are winnable. And one day, the war will come to an end. One day, the war will come to an end. I'm going to ask Brad to come back up here, and we're going to pray this thing out today. If any of you are in that place, Brad and I would be happy to pray with you. Any of the elders, Jake, Barry, don't stay there. Don't get stuck. I'm going to ask Brad to start it, and I'll end it. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, We want to thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your constant and unending chasing after us. Thank you for choosing to make us your children. Give us the absolute strength and power and love to understand that and the wisdom to, to use it and to work through being a disciple Maybe work through discipling someone else, Lord. Anyone here that might need some help this morning? Maybe they want to put you on in in baptism. Maybe they need courage. Maybe they don't need courage. Maybe they just need to be quiet and still. Maybe they need friends. Father God, maybe they need your son. I know I did, and I know I do every day. Thank you for your son. Thank you for him being the sacrifice that tore that veil, that tore that curtain. So we have direct access to you, Father. All glory, honor, and praise to you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.